0: All right. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Thanks, Bob. Good morning. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> uh, thanks for having me up here, and uh, thank you guys for, for being a church that really worships. Um, that was that was awesome. It's great to be a, be a part of that. Um, so thanks, Danielle. And thanks. Yeah, just awesome worship this morning. Um, so I'm Ryan, if we haven't met, and uh, just giving Trey a little break. Trey's on vacation, so um, yeah, we get to do things a little bit different here. Um, Trey's message last week kind of left off at a really good point. We were in Acts, and we're going to continue uh, in Acts 3, and um, left off at a really good point with, with Paul and Barnabas kind of wrestling with the, the state of the world at that time. And uh, we see what we're going to look at today kind of goes into what they do about it. So that's kind of our, our question today. What do we do about it um, if the world is in kind of a difficult place? So um, let me pray, and then we're going to dive in. We're going to read Acts 13. Uh, we'll start in verse 4, and we'll see how it goes. So join me. God, thank you so much for for this morning, for this time to come together and lift you up, um, not just to show up, Lord, but to actually be here worshiping you. And God, we just ask that you... Um, Speak to us, get, get me out of the way, uh, open up your word to us in a way that we can, we can take and apply and, and just, God, just continue to spur us on. Um, that's really what we want out of this morning. In your son's precious name we pray, amen. So we're looking at Acts 13, uh, we're starting in verse 4, I'll just read through this all in one fell swoop. As I'm reading it, pay attention to places and people, okay, places and people. Um, And (laughs) the the people, the first people that it talks about, it just uses the word they. And the they is Paul and Barnabas, where where Trey left off last time. So so being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, I practiced that one, but then I messed it up, uh, Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had John to assist them. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came to a, They came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was with the, the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence, who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Alemas the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, so that's, Bar-Jesus, Elimus, same person. He opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately, mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed, and he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. So we got kind of this this big, dramatic story there. And we're just going to look at it, and we're going to make two observations. Like, I'm sorry, guys, like boneheadedly obvious observations. You're going to be so disappointed. You're going to learn nothing today. These observations are so obvious, okay? We're just going to make two observations today, and we're, we're going to see where that goes. Uh, the first observation is simply that there is a Holy Spirit. Okay? It's there. You can't read Acts and not see it. And I know as, as we go on, and, and Trey already has, as we go on further in Acts, it's going to be there over and over again. Um, so what I want to do is just give, give a little bit of a take on, on what are we talking about? What is this Holy Spirit thing? What's going on here? Um, and also see how in this example, we see the Holy Spirit working and see what we can learn from that. So that's our first observation. It's just that there is a Holy Spirit. Okay, so what is this Holy Spirit? Uh, it's third member of the Trinity. So you've got Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We worship a a triune God. And I'll, I'll leave Trey to explain all the ins and outs and how exactly that works. Um, but we, we have a Holy Spirit as a Godhead, as a part of God. Um, it's kind of, it's, it's defined in, in a lot of different places. It's defined very well in uh, John John fourteen sixteen, which I should have marked. I know it's on the screen, but I like to read from, from here. Um, in John 14, 16. So this is this is Jesus. He's talking to his disciples, kind of a farewell address of Jesus, and he's explaining to them about the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says to his disciples, he says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. And that that helper is the Holy Spirit. Uh, the the Greek word there for helper that... that the, the, the scripture uses, um, Jesus spoke Aramaic, he didn't speak Greek, but, but it's translated there in the scriptures, it's parakletos, okay, that's the Greek word for helper, and I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent here, and uh, talk about a different word for helper, because we also see helper in the Old Testament, and this becomes kind of a point of, of, honestly, of misunderstanding, because that term helper, in English, we tie this kind of like less than important connotation to it. And it really isn't. It's not a less than thing, okay? The Holy Spirit is not, is not less than. And, um, and we see it also in the Old Testament. The English translation in the Old Testament is, is helper, but the Hebrew word in the Old Testament is ezer, okay? That word ezer. Um, in Genesis 3.15, uh, God creates, creates Eve out of Adam and gives, gives Eve to the world and to Adam as a helper. And in English, we read that and we say, oh, that's kind of a less than thing. That's kind of demeaning of women. And it really isn't. It, it actually totally isn't. It That word is there that's used to describe Eve is also used to describe, uh, it comes up, I think, three different times um, a, as descriptions of, of people who are either helping or failing to help in like dire life threatening situations, okay? It's also used to describe God 16 times. So, Next time you come across that word helper in the, in the Old Testament, um, just think about that. One commentator said, um, uh, where was it here? Yeah, it says, without exception, these texts are talking about a vital, urgent, powerful kind of help, okay? So just think about that when you, when you see that word helper. So back in the New Testament, back in our, in our passage in John, and Jesus describes um, the Holy Spirit as, as pericletos, as helper, it's the kind of help that, it's like an advocate, okay? It's, uh, it's one, one commentator said, um, act as intercessors, mediators, support witnesses. So, when you see that, like, think about that as, like, this is somebody I want on my side. This is, like, a, a warrior advocate, okay, that I have in the Holy Spirit here. Um, okay, so what do we see the Holy Spirit do in our passage in Acts. Um, First of all, he sends them out. So where Trey left off last week in in Acts, Um, Paul and Barnabas are kind of chosen, and then they're sent out. And we see here the the path that they take. If we can go to the the next slide with this map. You see them, they leave Antioch, they go to Seleucia, this coastal city, and they sail to Selemus. They go. The Holy Spirit doesn't call them to sit on their couch, okay? He doesn't call them to just stay right where they're at. He calls them to go, calls them to action. Um, he also calls them to do things that that actually kind of make sense, okay? Cyprus was Barnabas's home island. That's where he was from. He would have known people there, and he would have been known there. It made sense for them to go there. Uh, Salinas, Salamis, sorry, is uh, It refers to, in in this passage in Acts, it refers to them speaking in the synagogues, plural, of the Jews. That would have been very exceptional for there to be multiple synagogues in this little city. This was a very Jewish city. It was also a very wealthy city. So it made sense for Paul, speaking first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles, to go there first. Um, the, The whole message of Acts, what we see Paul doing is bringing bringing the message of Jesus to the Jews. And he wasn't starting a new religion. We, we tend to read this from our, our modern American English perspective and say, oh, this is, they just started this new religion. No, all he was doing was saying, hey, guys, my Jewish brothers and sisters, that Messiah that we've been waiting for from all the way back in Genesis 3.15, where, um, where uh, right after the fall, um, Adam and Eve have, have sinned, and God promises this Messiah that is going to crush the head of the serpent who caused that sin. And from that point on, you see over and over again, the Jewish faith is all about just looking for that Messiah and waiting for it and looking for it and looking for it. Um, little, little side note here again, I have a little resource sheet. I kind of spread them throughout, so you might need to look on a chair next to you or something. Uh, one of the resources on there is a podcast called 40 Minutes in the Old Testament. And what that podcast is its 40 Minutes in the Old Testament. Um, pretty straightforward. And they start <laughs> at the beginning, uh, which is a great place to start. And I think they do a really good job. If you're not really familiar with this concept of, like, what, what is the Bible all about? Where did we start? How did we get here? What are, what are, what are these people looking for in this Messiah? Um, the podcast started all the way back like 2015 or 14 or something like that. Um, they're, they're 40 minutes at a time going all the way through the old Testament and just talking it out. And they do a great job of pointing back to the fact that, that we're just waiting for that Messiah. Okay. And Paul in Acts is is his mission is to go around and say, he has come. We have that Messiah now. Um, so that's why they, they go to this, this very Jewish dominated city first, And uh, one other little observation out of this, uh, we we saw in the passage, they had John to assist them. We'll find out in the near future that John doesn't last long as a part of this team. Um, But at the moment, he's on this team. And it it makes sense for them to have a team. So they get across across the island. uh, They get all the way to Paphos. We see it on the map there. This island is 140 miles long. So this was not like a day trip that they were on. Um, This probably took weeks or months for them to work their way through this island Preaching the gospel and the holy spirit led them the whole way. This was not an easy journey This was not a safe journey, but it kind of made sense And I I think that's an important observation when we think what what does the holy spirit lead us to do? We think anything short of selling everything and moving to africa to be a missionary is like kind of meh And it's really not Okay The Holy Spirit can lead us to do a lot of things that make sense. We're going to see him him lead Paul to say some pretty harsh words in a minute here, but he can also lead us to do things that also seem on the surface to make some sense. And so that's kind of what we see as as they work their way across the island. Um, Then they get to this this magician, this Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. And I'm going to try to paint a picture. I don't know that this picture is totally accurate, but I, I picture... The, the proconsul, proconsul, kind of like a, a local local government official. Maybe he's, he's sitting, on this, sitting on this throne or sitting in his office or whatever that looks like. And, and Bar-Jesus, this Jewish false prophet, kind of maybe a spiritual advisor um, to the proconsul, is kind of whispering in his ear, like, you don't want to listen to these guys. They, they don't know what they're talking about. They don't know what they're talking about. Um, but, but he has heard and the Holy Spirit has used the fact that they preached their way across this island, and, and he's like, "Huh, I've heard about these guys. What's going on here um, and he and so the proconsul wants to hear and this is where uh, we're, we'll pick up and we'll we'll read this again in verse nine I think it's just it's powerful enough that it's worth reading twice. but Saul, who is called Paul, is filled with the Holy Spirit, okay This is not just like him going off on his own okay this is this is holy spirit directed um that these words are coming out of his mouth filled with the holy spirit he looked intently at him so he's just like staring a hole right in bar jesus and he said you son of the devil you enemy of all righteousness full of all deceit and villainy will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the lord and now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you and you'll be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately mist and darkness fell on him and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed and he, when he saw what had occurred for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. So none of that happens by accident. So let's, let's observe, like what does the Holy Spirit do there? For one thing, um, it's direct. He doesn't hold back, you know. <laughs> There's no pulled punches there. It's very direct communication um, from the Holy Spirit through Paul to Bar-Jesus. Um, the other thing that we see, it's focused on a larger purpose of God. This is not just like trying to make Bar-Jesus feel bad or trying to win the argument. It's not about that. The, the outcome of this, ultimately, is that this, this government official ends up believing, okay? Um, and he was not Jewish, And I I think he was one of the first, if not the first, non-Jewish converts of Paul. And it it happened through this really direct, forceful communication that the Holy Spirit led Paul in. Um, Paul doesn't make him go blind for a time. He just observes, honestly. Paul just says, the hand of the Lord is upon you. This is gonna happen to you. So Paul's not like conjuring up some magic. The Holy Spirit's doing that. And, and speaking of that, that effect, that it has an effect that's, that's, honestly, it's pretty crazy. It's kind of hard to understand. It's miraculous. Um, I, I can't explain how exactly that happens, um, but it does, because it's, it's God doing it. Um, in this case, it's interesting, it's, and it's not always the case, but this, this effect, it's temporary. Um, we're told that, that he's blind for a time. And there's, there's some traditions, I was reading a little bit about this, and probably reading a little too much about it. There's some traditions that bar Jesus actually then converted and, and became a follower of Christ as well. We don't know that for sure, but, but maybe. Um, so again, that's, that's observation number one, just really simple. There is a Holy Spirit, okay? And we need, we need to understand that. We need to understand the implications of that. And I think it's important that we understand that we can depend on the Holy Spirit a lot more than we should be depending on what happens on Sunday morning, okay? Um, I, I think I got I to attribute it to Dallas Willard because I got to have a Dallas Willard quote, but it actually might've been NT, right? I don't remember. Maybe it was even Paul Tripp. Uh, said, we overestimate the efficacy of Sunday mornings. And by we, that's, that's us, participants. That's the big C church. That's not this church. This church is perfect. But other, other churches sometimes might overestimate the efficacy of Sunday mornings. We overestimate what a Sunday morning can do for us. And I realized thinking about this this morning, like I really want us to to grasp this. Like if we are, and I do this sometimes too, hundred percent. If you are walking out of here after after Sunday morning service, just giving yourself a pat on the back for having done the church thing, and now let's let's get back out to real life. Like you're doing it wrong. Okay, I'm doing it wrong when I do that. Um, what we should be doing is walking out of here here called to do something. Okay, wanting to 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 take action, wanting to walk more with the Lord, and that action could look like a lot of different things. Um, And and I mean this, if if you walk out of here saying, that sermon was dumb, I don't know what that guy was talking about, but I feel called, I'm going to go call that friend to have lunch with them, or I'm going to pray for that person, like, I would love that. That would be a great outcome of Sunday morning. Um, If you walk out of here thinking, oh, that sermon was great, and then back to the real world, just get it behind you and move on, that's, no, we're doing it wrong. So we have dinner tomorrow night um, with, with a bunch of homeless people. Great opportunity to come in and, and be like actually in person, communicating with others and, and, and follow the Lord's calling there. Maybe you're called to read the book of James or attend that small group or pray for that person or reconcile that relationship, whatever it is. Like that's what we should be really excited about as followers of Christ, not necessarily just like what happens on Sunday morning. Okay? And I'm not just saying that because Trey's not here. Trey would say the same thing and has. Um, so it, I, I would 100% be okay with you tuning me out and just listening to the Holy Spirit right now. Like That would be totally okay. If you're, if you're on your phone, I'll just tell myself that you're reading Scripture or something. It's okay. Um, yeah, we, we really need to not overestimate the efficacy of Sunday mornings. So that's our first observation. There is a Holy Spirit. Second observation is even more obvious, and I'm sorry, guys, it's just so, like, it's like a fish can't observe water, right? This is so obvious, it's hard to even see. Um, This all happens, this is the the second observation, this all happens in real life. It just does, okay? It doesn't happen in, in some virtual world that, let's say, technology allows us to exist in, it actually happens in actual real life. Um, Paul and Barnabas are sent off into the real world to share the gospel. They're sent, they're sent off to their Jewish brothers and sisters in person to say, hey, that Messiah that we've been waiting for, he came. Let me tell you about him. Okay? They're not called to sit on their couch and tweet about it. They're not called to make some scathing youtube video laying out all the arguments for for christ as the messiah okay they're not called to get into some to (laughs) to make some tiktok dance about jesus loves me or something i I don't even know um they're called to go out into the real world now i will i will give you a concession statement i'll actually give you two i will concede that those things those technologies that i just mentioned did not exist at that time okay so they could not have done that. All those things are ridiculous. They could not have done that. I will concede that. I will also concede that, that good things can come from social media. I actually have a, a friend, a coworker, who was called back to Christ uh, during the pandemic through watching a bunch of some guy's TikTok videos. That can happen, okay? And, and maybe all the stuff I'm about to go into is totally off base, and, and social media is, is a fantastic thing that is really bringing people to the Lord and to each other, and, and I'm off base. Could be. okay, I'll grant that. Um, but I, I think as we look at them going out into the real world, if they could have sat in their basement and made a scathing YouTube video, uh, I don't think they would have. I don't think the Holy Spirit would have called them to do that. He called them to go out into the real world. Um, they're, they're, if you Google, and I did this, and, and there's, there's a, a page we'll look at here, if you Google scripture about social media, the very first search result takes you to this page, and I realize that the print is a little small to, to read it all, I'm sorry, um, but the, it's the top 100 scriptures about social media, social media, um, and I'll just, I'll just read a couple because I can kind of see them. Um, it says, though I have much, it's from Second John, it says, though I have much to write you, I would rather not use paper and ink, it's a- ancient social media. Uh, <laughs> Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. From Ephesians 4, let no corrupting talk out of your mouth, but only that what is good for building up as fits the occasion, it may give grace to those who hear. So there's just a couple. My favorite one is actually not on that list. It's from Psalm 1. So the Psalm is, is the Hebrew, Psalm, the book of Psalms is the Hebrew hymnal. So if Jesus opened up his hymnal, uh, his hymnal would have started with, with these words, Psalm 1-1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits at the seat of scoffers. You know, as N.T. Wright in an interview pointed out, that that sitting at the seat of scoffers, that's Twitter. <laughs> I think, I mean, isn't it? Like that's, I, I don't know how you guys use social media, and I'm not on it a ton, um, but I, when I do, like, that's what it is. I'm, I'm really just sitting at the seat of scoffers. Um, and that's not, it's not good. It's not what we're called to do. Um, and, and people are starting to figure this out. People are becoming more and more aware, not just Christians. Like, I think our society is becoming more and more aware of well, what John Mark Comer says, the, the harmful effects of what John Mark Comer calls the grand experiment in human omnipresence. Okay, this idea of human omnipresence. Anybody from anywhere can be present in your life at any time, and vice versa. Okay? That on its face is not, maybe not necessarily a bad thing, but we've never lived that way before. And, and I think there's some harmful effects of it. Um, so I want to point out a couple other things on, on your resource sheet, because, pe- again, people are starting to, to kind of understand some of the harmful effects of of the way that we're living in these virtual worlds. Um, Jonathan Haidt, Haidt, um, not a Christian. He's a moral psychologist. He wrote Coddling of the American Mind. He wrote um, The Righteous Mind. Um, He's he's, kind of starting to get picked up and and talked about by a lot of Christians um, because he's he's making wise observations. Um, he He recently wrote an article, came out in the Atlantic Magazine, It's uh, don't quote me on this, but I I think I heard somewhere it's the most read article in the history of the Atlantic magazine. Uh, Atlantic's been around since 1857, so that's that's a long time, a lot of articles. This is the most read one, and it's because it's he's really striking a chord with some of the things he says, and he 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 compares modern day communication uh, to what it might have been like after after the the Tower of Babel, where we really can't communicate with each other, we're not speaking the same language. Like, we literally, social media has caused dividing lines in our society where communication cannot happen, disagreement cannot happen, an understanding, a mutual understanding of anything resembling truth cannot happen, and that destroys our our culture, and it ultimately, his his take on it, I'm sorry to to be a downer here, is that it will destroy our democracy, because Democracy depends on institutions, and it depends on um, ability to communicate and ability to understand truth. So, uh, downer, man. So, what do we do about it? Okay. And again, this is just one one person's take on it. I really strongly encourage you um, to, to check out this article. It, it will it'll be a book soon, I'm sure. But currently, it's an article. It takes about an hour to read. There's an audio version on the website. You don't have to actually read anything these days. Actually, all of the resources that are, that are on here, uh, you don't actually have to read. There's great audio versions of them. But anyway, check out this article. He's got a really interesting take, and I don't want to push it too far because I'm a little bit away from the scripture here, and I realize that, um, and I want to be sensitive to that, but just check it out. So uh, one, one suggestion that he makes as far as what do we do about it, um, it sounds kind of harsh, but he says, hey, this would be a lot better if we, all, if we all reduced our social media use by 80%. 80%. Time is a zero-sum game. Your attention is a zero-sum game. You cannot take your attention and, and, and focus it on this thing and then still have the same amount of time and attention to focus on other people in actual real life. It just doesn't work that way. Okay. Um, so that's kind of where, where he gets that that idea of reducing social media use 80%. Uh, he's got other ideas. Get kids out playing unsupervised, where they can solve their own disagreements with each other. Um, another resource that I've found really helpful is Andy Crouch's book. Uh it's called The Techwise Family. Go to the next slide. Yeah, there's there's the picture of it. Um Andy Crouch is great. He's he is a Christian, he's a pastor. And he's done a lot of, of work on like, culture building and, t- and technology. And um, this is really, it's about the tech wise family. How should our families be approaching technology? And my encouragement is just thoughtfully, okay? He's got 10 suggestions in the book, things like create more than you consume, no screens before double digits, car time is conversation time, live according to the rhythm, rhythm of work and rest. Um, there, there's others in there. But my, my encouragement is just be thoughtful. Don't, these, these things are designed to, to suck you in and, and get your attention. There's an addiction component there that we're learning about. Um, don't let that happen, okay? Just be thoughtful. Keep it as a tool that's useful. Um, one, one guiding principle that, that comes from Andy Crouch is if you feel worse after you pick up your phone than you did before you picked it up, yeah, learn from that, okay? You, you probably shouldn't be, picking it up quite as much, or maybe doing the same things, or sitting at the seat of scoffers quite so much. Um, just, just understand that. Just be thoughtful, okay? One other thing I'll say about that book that, that's not true, honestly, about a lot of, of Christian authors, Andy Crouch does a great job of saying, like, hey, here's, here's, like, the really high bar that you can reach for and that we reach for as a family, and, and he's got these, like, 10 things that he goes through. At the end of each chapter, he kind of says, hey, here's where we fall short. And, and it's really cool to see, like, hey, you don't have to be perfect. There's even one chapter that he, he at the end of the chapter, he says, you know what, in our family, I'm the worst at this. Um, so it's kind of refreshing to read that. Um, but again, my encouragement is just be thoughtful about how we're approaching these, these things. Paul and Barnabas, I guarantee you, if, if they had the opportunity um, to communicate in, in other ways, other than traveling through Cyprus and whatnot, they would have at least been thoughtful about it. They would have at least approached the Holy Spirit and said, hey, what do you want me to do here? Should I get into this Twitter war or should I invite that person out to lunch? You know, What do you want me to do here, God? Um, I recently had a conversation. You guys remember that one nice day that we had in May? It was the, it was the first, I remember it well because it was the only day in May, the first day of the year that I got to wear flip-flops. And it was awesome. And I went to a barbecue um, and we're sitting in the backyard of, of, of this house and talking with a group of six or eight dads, just sitting around the fire. And we were kind of talking about this topic and talking about how social media and our families. And um, it, it was a fascinating conversation. And one of the dads is a young life lead of middle school boys. And he said he, he can't communicate with them other than with Snapchat. Like they, calling somebody is like offensive, like how dare you call me um texting they won't reply um snapchat he can get on and before he's done typing they're all like emoji this and emoji that and whatever um i don't know whether that's good or bad honestly but it just it just is like that's that's where those kids are living in in that particular group another dad this kind of broke my heart another dad uh, talked about he he kind of broke down 11 year old girl he got his daughter a phone out of a out of a great heart i don't want my daughter to be lonely so, we got her a phone and got her all the social media stuff, got her all connected to friends. She's lonelier now than ever. And the reason is, uh, this is like shocking. This is just, this made me just say, wow. Apparently, on Snapchat, you can like see where all your friends are. So, she sees, she picks up her phone and she sees her friends hanging out all together at a thing that she wasn't invited to. And she's lonelier than ever. Um, it's just, yeah, crazy. And again, these are tools. Do they have p- potentially good uses? Probably. Let's be thoughtful about it. Okay, let's just not get sucked into it. Um, again, maybe this is a stretch, but I think that, that Paul and Barnabas and I think the Holy Spirit might be leading us to be thoughtful. And as Andy Crouch says, we're going to be different. Okay, We're not going to just, just go with the flow. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever heard the, the phrase, the medium is the message. Um, I'll read this quote from Canadian communication theorist Marshall McLuhan. It's a little dense, so... Try to follow along. I had to read it like three times, so if you can pick it up right away, that's awesome. Um, He says, the medium is the message. This is merely to say that the personal and social consequences of any medium, that is any extension of ourselves, result from the new scale that is introduced into our efforts by each extension of ourselves or by any new technology. Sorry, that's dense. He's essentially saying, like, the, the medium matters, Okay, how we are communicating, our method of communication, it matters. He said that in 1964. Okay? People have understood this for a long time. And what medium, what what message are different mediums sending? Okay, if I if I get on my phone and I crank out 280 scathing characters, regardless of how true it is, doesn't matter what I said, what does that say? That says that communicates I have this much time, I have 30 seconds to dedicate to this topic, and it goes out to everybody, and I just want you to hear me. Okay, that's what that medium says. If I say, hey, you want to meet for lunch this week? When's good? Let's get together. What does that medium of communication say? That says, for that time, you are the most important person in the world to me. Okay, that says something, even just that medium of communication. Um, Disagreement, rather than, you know, take the take the text exchange that always just kind of builds and builds and gets super awkward until it just stops and everybody's awkward when they see each other in person, and say, hey, let's get together and talk about this, okay? Um, the medium is the message, and again, just simply be thoughtful, and, and again, I know I'm kind of off on a tangent, and I know that Paul and Barnabas did not have the option of tweeting, um, but I, I think because we do, we need to steward that well, and I think this is just my personal thought here. I think we've gone, and by we, I mean society, I'm not talking to anybody in particular, but we have gone so far into these new tools um, that, that can potentially be useful tools, but they're taking us away from potentially positive communication. And we need to be thoughtful about, huh, is, is that, am I just taking the easy way? Or, or is God maybe steering me back to do something that might be a little more difficult? but it's actually going to be a better way of communicating with people, um, a more effective way of communicating with people. Um, So I'm going to have the worship team come on up here. And as they're coming up, just think about what what does this mean to you? So we'll go to the last slide here. Um, In terms of application, um, hopefully there's something there. Hopefully just, again, that, that observation number one, the idea that the Holy Spirit exists and is present like that's amazing if, if we can just like understand that and walk out of here with that in our hearts awesome um maybe god's calling you for something else as well um, maybe i don't think so but hey maybe he's calling you to, to confront somebody and say you son of the devil you enemy of all righteousness full of all deceit and villainy will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the lord follow if that's the case um, but maybe he's just calling you to, to go meet somebody in real life, okay? Uh, maybe somebody you haven't seen in a while. Uh, maybe somebody that you wouldn't normally ever interact with. For example, the people who are going to be coming here tomorrow night for dinner. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe there's, a, there's an opportunity for a real-life interaction there that is, that is what God is calling you to. So my encouragement, it's on the screen, just be in relationship with people in real life. Let them see you and your real life, not your tweets, not your filtered. Oh, my gosh, I've learned a little bit recently about the filtering that Instagram does. Like, like that's, that's a weird thing, right? That we would literally filter our lives, screen only the best stuff, filter it, and make sure it looks as good as possible, and then put that out for the world to see. Like, that's a weird thing, okay? We're not meant to live that way, um, and I just want us to be thoughtful, be thoughtful about how we're approaching those communication tools, be thoughtful about what God is calling us to do, get out there in real life, be the real you, and let the Holy Spirit work through that. So uh, let me pray. God, thank you for, for the tools that you give us. God, thank you for the, the people in our lives and, and all the different ways that we get to interact with them. Um, God, I just pray that you would, would lead us as we as we wrestle with and, and try to understand um, how to serve you in, in this world, in this time. Um, God, we just want to be stewards of, of the time and the message that you've given us. So guide us, lead us, um, spur us on, Lord. Help us each to walk out of here with, with something that in real life you would have us do this week, God. I just, I just lift up those interactions that we're going to have and... Lord, just, just spur us along. In your son's name, amen.